Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending September 24th, 2021. I'm Sophie antel and I'm joined today by my colleague, Shay Shatria, Director of Investment Strategies at Russell Investments. Hello, Shay. It's wonderful to see you. Great to see you, Sophie. How are you? Very good. Thank you. It has been a busy week, and I'm hoping that you can help us recap, refocus, and retune where do we need to be looking? What do we need to be paying attention to in this news-filled week that had with it um, Federal Reserve and Bank of England and Bank of Japan meetings? So a lot of central bank activity and talk happening. We also had um, an issue with Evergrande out in China that I'd love to get your views on and understanding of. And then coming back, if we have time, coming back to the U.S., and potential government shutdown looming. Those are sort of the things that have crystallized for me this week that I was hoping we could pick your brain on. Sound good? Sounds great. Terrific. Well, maybe starting with central banks. Central banks around the world had a busy week this week. What sort of rose to the top of your attention list? And where would you suggest that investors focus, especially in sort of the the months to come? Yeah, it's uh, well, to your point, Sophie, it's been a very interesting week. If you just kind of take a quick snapshot of the market action, um, which was generally risk off tone earlier in the week where equities were down and bonds were rallying. But then the markets have, you know, calmed down a bit and have been recovering since then. And and I think th- some of the, the things that we'll be discussing as you laid out clearly contributed to the market action this week. So Starting with the central banks, um, obviously the most consequential consequential always is the Federal Reserve. So maybe that's where we can start. And you know, the Fed uh, made no changes to its policy policy rate or its QE program. However, there were things um, that we were keeping an eye on or, and, and, and the lookout for, three things in particular. Um, one was um, the advance notice for tapering. The second was clues around the pace of tapering. And then finally, um, what did their dot plots reveal? So if you kind of quickly go through each one of those uh, individually, you know, as it relates to the advance notice, you know, we were expecting the Fed to provide some form of advance notice that tapering would commence soon. And we did get that. The Fed indicated that if progress continues as expected, a moderation in the pace of asset purchases may soon be warranted. You know, we believe, you know, given that statement, we believe that a formal announcement is probably forthcoming at the November meeting. Um, and then the tapering to to potentially commence uh, starting in December. So that was broadly in line um, with our view, as well as the consensus for the most part. So no real surprises there. Um, where it does get a little bit more interesting is actually the tapering pace, which is the other thing we wanted to keep an eye on. Um, and in the press conference, what was interesting was Ch- Chairman Powell indicated that the tapering process could conclude around the middle of next year once they get going. So that suggests that tapering um, could complete in about six to seven months, which is is actually a few months quicker than what we had uh, expected. So this was a bit of a hawkish uh, surprise um, from our perspective, and it does have implications on the timing of the first rate hike. Um, and, And to get a little bit more clues around that, I think the dot plots are clearly interesting because, you know, if we take one, obviously, which is now a quicker uh, tapering pace that the Fed is suggesting, and then you couple that with the dot plots, which indicated that nine Fed officials 
um, voted for a rate hike as early as 2022. Um, so this suggests that the timeline for liftoff could be sooner than our baseline, which we had penciled in for 2023. So we still believe 23, 2023 is most appropriate, but 2022 now cannot be ruled out um, if certain conditions are met. You know, one would be full employment, you know, and let's assume that the labor market uh, remains strong and continues to recover over the next 12 months, then that should be pretty much checked off. Um, the other is inflation. Now, we know that the Fed's inflation objective has already been achieved and they've indicated as such. However, you know, our from our view, we expect inflation to moderate towards 2% over the next 12 months. Um, however, if inflation is a bit more sticky than that, right? So, Inflation is pretty high at above 5% right now. And if it stays elevated, you know, come you know, 12 months from now, and in addition to that, we have um, full employment, then a rate, a, a rate hike late in 2022 can't be ruled out. So inflation is something that we're clearly keeping a very close eye on. But the other thing that was revealing about the dot plots is irrespective of the timing of liftoff, they are suggesting um, that the pace of rate hikes will be gradual once the Fed actually gets going. So that that's the Fed. And really quickly then, then on the Bank of England and the Bank of Japan, you know, the Bank of England um, didn't make any changes uh, to their policy rate or QE. But even there, there was a bit of a hawkish surprise, perhaps, where you know many in the committee are getting a little bit more concerned about the inflation outlook and are potentially suggesting that the rate hikes could happen a little bit sooner, um, perhaps as early as uh, the you know the first quarter of 2022. So that those developments there will be something that we'll be keeping an eye on. And you know, shifting gears with the Bank of Japan. They're a little bit different uh, situation there where they, again, made no changes to their policy and are pretty much committed to ultra easy monetary policy um, for the foreseeable future. And one thing we know about the BOJ is, they'll, is that they'll likely be uh, the laggard as far as, far as uh, tightening policy. So the BOJ is probably on hold um, for the foreseeable future and, and we'll wait for their other central bank counterparts to get going. Oh, thank you so much. That was that was a really thorough overview. And I guess it's a little bit of a, you know, give and take on the one hand, um, you know, it, it always is a little bit unnerving and uh, and rattling to markets when there are potential changes in uh, in central bank policy. At the same time, sometimes central bank policy, especially the, the types of changes that we're currently contemplating are also a reflection of the economy and you know unemployment and stuff improving. So it's a little bit of ah, okay. We want things to get better, but then the change can sometimes make make markets and investors a little bit nervous. So thank you for that um, summary. Moving our attention a little bit, we just talked about the U.S., we talked about England and well, the U.K., and we talked about Japan. I'm curious. Um, let's cast a light briefly on China and the situation there with Evergrande that has made a lot of headlines um, this week. And is sort of being characterized, depending on who is, you know, sort of analyzing the situation as a potential Lehman moment for China. Can you help us understand what is happening there and what are you focusing on? Yeah, there were clearly a lot uh, that the markets had to chew on uh, this week, but the jitters earlier in the week were at least partly attributable to uh, the story related to uh, Evergrande, um, Sophie, as you kind of laid out. 
you know, just to quickly ke- uh, recap, Evergrande is uh, China's second largest property developer that has run into financial difficulties and is now struggling to meet uh, its many debt obligations. So what happened this week was that the company missed a couple of interest payments that were due uh, on Monday, but then later in the week managed to work out an agreement with uh, with uh, with its creditor for a payment due. But now what's interesting is as of this recording, there's yet another payment due um, that we're still waiting uh, for information on and that we haven't really heard on. So I guess it's sort of to be continued there. But nonetheless, the tension related uh, to Evergrande contributed to the narrative in the markets that, to your point, Sophie, this could be China's uh, Lehman moment. And and although uh, the downside growth risks uh, can materialize due to uh, the importance that the property sector uh, uh, has in China, we believe that global contagion risks are minimal at this point. Now, you know, an indicator that we're uh, monitoring for this are Chinese uh, high yield credit spreads um, versus, you know, and how they compare relative to uh, global uh, c- uh, global high yield counterparts, as well as relative to uh, Chinese investment grade credit itself. So, you know, what we can tell so far is that high yield spreads in China they've clearly risen um, and and have actually risen to levels that are comparable to the levels that it reached during the pandemic. But we really haven't seen a significant spillover into Chinese investment grade credit, and even more importantly, uh, much of an effect uh, towards global high yield credit. So this suggests to us that, you know, contagion risk, which is probably what the markets were most worried about earlier in the week, um, haven't really materialized um, within China or globally. So that's clearly a positive. And moreover, we believe that Chinese policymakers could could step in or step up, I should say, they're easing, uh, they're easing their policy easing down the line if risks were to uh, significantly uh, escalate. And there were some positive signs there uh, as the PBOC did inject cash into the financial system this week uh, to ensure adequate liquidity. So, you know, overall, the Evergrande saga is far from complete. There are actually several payments that are still going to be coming due over the next several weeks. But I think what's also important to, to, to note is that there is a 30-day grace period. So a missed payment doesn't automatically mean default. Obviously, this is a story that uh, we will be monitoring very closely. Uh, but you know, for the time being, based on some of the indicators that we're looking at, we don't really see a systemic um, risk uh, unfolding. Terrific. Well, and I'm sure that 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 gives the markets at least some reassurance um, that, you know, yes, it might be a Lehman moment, but hopefully not truly like a Lehman moment with a whole bunch of contagion. Staying with the thread of uh, potential sagas and mispayments and, you know, sort of potential defaults on things, um, the debt ceiling uh, in the U.S. and potential government shutdown where is that at and what do we need to watch out for in the coming weeks? Yes. Yeah, so dun, dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> perfect. Uh, the drama continues. Um, but what's interesting is that we've seen this movie for before um, as it relates to the government shutdown. And I think it's easy to forget, but the U.S. Uh, government actually shut down from December 22nd, 2018, to January 25th, 2019. So that wasn't that long ago. And that was actually um, was the most prolonged shutdown in, in U.S. history. But what's interesting is, is that during that time frame, the equity markets were actually up uh, around 
over that period. So a government shutdown is clearly headline grabbing, but doesn't have to be problematic for the markets. Now, that said, more important for the markets is resolving the debt ceiling impasse between the Republicans and the Democrats. Um, as we know, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has uh, indicated that the Treasury would run out of money at some point in October and therefore risk defaulting on the nation's debt. Now, we struggle to get to a place where the U.S. policymakers would knowingly allow a default. Um, and House Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi did indicate that they're working on some type of a resolution. Clearly, there's a lot of you know political posturing taking place in the background and behind the scenes, but we do believe that the debt ceiling issue will ultimately uh, be resolved. But you know, this story is ongoing, and 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 it's I guess to be continued at this point, and we'll have to kind of wait and see how the drama unfolds in Washington over the coming week. Excellent. Well, drama in Washington, uh, we are not new to that. And thankfully, um, although we are out of time for today, Shay, thankfully, we will be back again next week. Um, so thank you, Shay, for all of your insights and for helping us clarify this busy, busy news filled week. Um, and thank you for joining us. <laughs>